Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Wild Card Weekend. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled, as always, by the great folks at Nerd Tees, and it is Wild Card Weekend of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2018-2019 NFL regular season and postseason, and welcome to 2019. It's the first episode of the new year. We're getting the new year off to a rollicking good start with playoff football. But before we do that, looking back a little bit, in a week, like week 17, where I never really felt like I really had a solid footing in the games, and I mean, that's that's typical of week 17, I mean, anything really can happen in a week where, you know, players are getting sat, and, you know, a lot of things have already been decided, there's only a couple of really important things left, and this it just winds up being a weird week almost annually. Uh, for not having a great foothold, I did fairly well in week 17, hit double digits straight up, went 10 and 6 with the games last week. That has me finishing the regular season at 163-91-2. That's four games off of my personal best, which was 167 games picked correctly straight up. Against the spread, we broke even. I took all those big dogs, wound up being 8-8. Eight and eight. The public, I think, really got middled through Vegas last week. So I was 8-8 eight eight against the spread, which means I did finish against the spread above 500. 126 and 124 with six against the spread pushes. And the reason that I kind of make the point of saying, oh, I finished above 500, and I said this on Twitter the other day, I think it was at the end of week 12, I was something like eight games under 500 against the spread, and I stuck to my process, and I grinded, and I finished the season up. So it's really, it's almost never too late, unless you're talking about my total picks, but it's almost never too late. Just stick to your process, do your homework, and go do the thing. And that's basically what I said, almost exactly actually, what I said on Twitter. If you're feeling down on yourself, again, just stick to your guns, stick to your process, trust your process if you believe in it, and good things will happen. But once again, except if you're talking about my total picks, I only went 6-10 and 10 over under in week 17 to end a truly abysmal season over under 103-150 and 3 pushes. Disgusting. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks also wound up relatively successful last week. Three and one straight up. I did miss my bronze pick last week. Three and one, in fact, against the spread. The only one I missed there was the silver pick against the spread. Totals, they are what they are. I was only one and three. I got the gold pick correct on the total. In total, at the end of the season now, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks being retired again for another season. The platinum pick this season went 15-2 and two straight up, only 8-9 and nine against the spread, and only 7-9-1 and one on the over-under, but 15-2 and two straight up will take that any season. The gold pick, a little bit more successful, 14-3 and three straight up, so one fewer, but 9-8 and eight against the spread and 9-8 and eight over-under. That's the only pick where I finished above 500 across the board. Silver and bronze picks were both 11-6 and six straight up this season. Silver pick only 7-10 and 10 against the spread. Bronze pick actually above 500 ATS, 8-6-3, and three, had three pushes. Three of my six against the spread pushes this season came in that bronze pick. And again, totals, they are what they are. Silver was only 7-10, and 10, bronze only 4-13. and 13. 
So overall on the season with the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks, 51 and 17 straight up, 32, 33, and 3 against the spread, and only 27, 40, and 1 over under. Woof. Checking in now with both the Bridgewater's Finest and NFL YouTube Prognosticators Pick'em Pools. In the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, I did slip a little bit uh, this past week. Now down in ninth place out of 43, 1,420 out of 2,065 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 69%. Nice. And it is just off of a championship pace. Week 17 had a successful week, 100 of 136 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 74%. It was a good week. Not nearly good enough, however, to win week 17. Shout out to our week 17 winner, Rel Eagles Fly 215, TJ Harmon. He is a member of the NFL YouTube Prognosticators community. He had an excellent week, 14 and 2 straight up, 123 out of 136 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 90%. Whenever you get up to 90%, it, it, it's top tier, right? It's elite. And he certainly did that in week 17. Shout out to our overall leader and regular season champion, another NFL YouTube prog, Billy B. Billy B, 159, 95, and 2 straight up this season. 1,441 out of the 2,065 possible confidence points. That is that championship clip of 70%. Billy B wins the regular season. In the YouTube prognosticators against the spread pick and pool, I sit in fourth place out of 49, which is right around, I believe, where I was before. I think I might have been tied for second, so I think I slid a little bit in this one too. 128 out of the 256 games picked correctly against the spread according to Yahoo's lines. That's a clip of 50% exactly. And in week 17, I was a little below that according to Yahoo. I only went 7 for 16. That's only 44%. Shout out to our week 17 winner, Billy B. Billy B goes 12 and 4 against the spread last week. Mr. 75%. He hits that again in week 17. And shout out to our overall leader and regular season champion, MN Beast. 133 out of the 256 games picked correctly against the spread. That's a clip of 52%. So Rel Eagles Fly and Billy B win week 17 in the pools. Billy B and MN Beast win the regular season and are our overall leaders currently. A strong reminder to everyone in this pool, in both of these pools, both of these pools continue through the playoffs. So don't think you're done just because the playoffs are here. They continue for the next four weeks. Get in there. Make sure you get your picks done before the games kick off on Saturday. And I'll take this opportunity now, as I do every week, to remind you that if you go to the description of the YouTube video or the file on SoundCloud or iTunes, you are going to find all of my results from week 17, all my straight up against the spread and over under plays for wildcard weekend in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest or YouTube Prognosticators Pick and Pools. It is never too late. Win a week. Get yourself shouted out on the show. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators prognosticators facebook page and you're going to find information on my great friends at nerd tees folks if you don't know it by now you may never know it but i'm going to tell you again anyway nerdtees.ca 
Use that promo code BWFINEST. It's going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping if you live in the Great White North on any order over 75 bucks. And if you live below the Great White North, you're going to get a great conversion rate on the US dollar. Two clicks of a button and everything is in US prices. Today's blend is Japanese Orange Cooler. A really nice citrusy blend. It's smooth. It's light. It tastes great. It's great on a morning like today. Nerdtease.ca, promo code BWFINEST, save the 15%, get the free shipping, get the conversion rate. There's never been a better time. Nerdtease.ca, find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love and you can do it at Nerdtease. Okay, so before we get down to business here, I just want to shout out a particular number. The number I want to shout out here is 23.34. This is what I'm using as what I like to call a watershed mark. That was the average number of points that an NFL team scored per game this season. And that mark is going to play a role when we talk about these games. I want to also be looking at these teams not only in head-to-head contrast, but looking at these teams in terms of their ability to score 24 points or more, which is above the league average, and on defense to allow 23 points or less. Because I think that could very well be a determining factor in a couple of these games. The teams that are better equipped to hit those watershed marks could be better equipped to win these games. So keep that number in mind, 23.34, as we go ahead and take a look at our Saturday games. We're going to kick things off here with the early Saturday game, the AFC 3 versus 6 matchup. The Indianapolis Colts 10 and 6, winners of four straight games and second place in the AFC South, travel to their division rival at Houston, 11 and 5 on the season. They won last week and they also won the AFC South division. Worth a strong mention here that the Colts are playing back-to-back road games. They were on the road in Tennessee last week. They won that game to get into the playoffs. Now they got to do it again. Obviously, since these two teams are division rivals, they played each other twice this season in week four. Houston pulling off a three-point victory in overtime, 37-34. That game was in Indianapolis. And then in week 14, Indy did it right back to them. 24-21 victory for the Colts in Houston in week 14. Noteworthy, that week four win began Houston's nine-game winning streak that they had earlier this season, and that week 14 loss snapped it. As we mentioned, these two teams, 11 and 5 and 10 and 6 respectively, are Houston and Indianapolis heading into this football game. Houston outscored opponents by an average score of 25 to 20 this season. They only hit 24 points, however, in six of their 16 games on offense, which means they had a couple of blowouts in there, but in general, it was more difficult to trust them to hit that 24-point plateau. On the flip side of that, the defense allowed 23 points or fewer 11 times in 16 games this season. The Colts at 10-6 and six also outscored their opponents by 5 points on average this season. Gets a little bit higher in these games, 27-22. to 22. The Colts hit 24 or more points 11 times in 16 games this season. You would certainly trust the Colts' offense more so than you would trust the Texans' offense to get to that plateau. 
in terms of allowing 23 points or fewer, they were even money. Eight of the 16 games, they allowed 23 points or fewer. If we take this head-to-head matchup and we move it to Houston, which is where the game is going to be played, at home, the Texans were 6-2 this season. They definitely did their job on their home field, outscoring opponents by an average of 26-17. to Offense gets a little bit better. Defense gets better by a full field goal. In terms of scoring 24 points or more on the offensive side, Houston was only able to do that in three of their eight games at home this season, which means they split at home and on the road in terms of 24 points or more. The defense was incredibly stout, however, at home for Houston. Six of their eight home games, they allowed 23 points or fewer. Colts were even money on the road this season at 4-4, including their win in Week 17 last week to get into the playoffs. They outscored opponents only by a single point on average this season, 24-23. to In five of their eight road games, the Colts hit above league average scoring, so 24 points or more. And in five of their eight road games, the defense only allowed below league average 23 points or fewer. Pretty good split there for the Colts. A little under half of their total games where they were above league average scoring happened on the road, but a little bit above half of their better than league average defense happened on the road. The Colts are definitely going to need defense in this football game because you know Houston's defense is going to show up to ball. In the last four games, this is one of the areas where I think the Colts have one of the biggest advantages. They're definitely coming in as the hotter football team. Houston's only 2-2 in their last four games. Their scoring average has been their season average 25-20. They've only hit 24 or more points in two of those four games. They've only allowed 23 or fewer also in two of those four games. So Houston has definitely kind of cooled off a little bit. I never believed the rhetoric of, oh my God, Houston's completely fallen apart. No, they haven't completely fallen apart. They've just definitely cooled off. Could be the wrong time of year to cool off against a team that is 4-0 in their last four games. 27-16 is the average score, average margin of victory, which means their defense has really amped things up from their season average. They've scored 24 or more points in three of those four football games. They've allowed 23 points or fewer also in three of those last four. Also wanted to take a look at who had the edge in terms of total offense and total defense, basically across the board with total yardage, pass yardage, and run yardage. In terms of total offense, Colts have a definitive edge. They were the number seven total offense in football this season. Houston was middle of the pack at number 15. Margin does get bigger in the pass game. Indy, the number six total pass offense in football this past season. Houston only chiming in at number 17, just below league middle. But it's in the run game where Houston's bread is really going to be buttered in this football game. In terms of the offensive side of the ball, the Houston Texans, the number eight run offense in football this season. Indianapolis, only number 20. So the game plan here for the Texans is going to be no surprise to anybody. Run, run, run. On the defensive side of the ball, Indianapolis was surprisingly competitive here. I really thought this was going to be a cakewalk for Houston. Not that I thought Houston's defense is incredible, but I I definitely thought Houston would be 
in a favorite across the board here. Definitely not the case. Total defense, it's actually the Colts. Indianapolis, the number 11 total defense in football. Houston's number 12. So you're talking about two of the top dozen total defenses in football this season going head-to-head. That's why I mentioned earlier, defense is going to be at such a premium. Neither of these teams could be described as great at defending the pass. Indy, though, definitely has the edge. Colts, number 16, total pass defense in football. Houston, fourth from the bottom at number 28. This game also features a battle of two of the top 10 run defenses in football. Houston, the number three run D in the entire NFL. Indianapolis, no slouches at number eight. That's why Houston's run game is likely what is going to be the single thing to decide this game. If Houston can run the ball, they got a great chance. If they can't, I think Indy could run away with this thing. And before I give you the pick, it's worthwhile to talk about a couple of injuries in this football game. On Houston's side, Kiki Kuti at the wide receiver position is questionable with a hamstring injury. Don't know whether he's going to play or not. On the defensive side, Jonathan Joseph, a cornerback, probable to play in this game. He's been dealing with a neck injury, but looks like he's going to suit up. But the big one is J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt has the questionable tag heading into this football game. It is, quote-unquote, only a hand injury, so I would assume that J.J. Watt's going to play in this game, but it's worth monitoring because if he doesn't play, obviously, huge advantage to the Colts. Colts dealing with a little bit of a depth injury at wide receiver as well. Ryan Grant, questionable in this game with a toe injury, whether he'll play or not. The big one, however, is Ryan Kelly, a stud young center. He's started, I think, almost every game for the Colts this season. Pro Football Focus ranks Ryan Kelly as the number 10 center in football. So obviously he has a huge impact on keeping Andrew Luck protected. I think hasn't allowed a direct hit on a quarterback since week three, I think, is something that I happen to read. He's questionable in this game with a neck injury. If he doesn't play, that's a huge blow to that offensive line. And if he doesn't play and J.J. Watt does... JJ could be having a field day. On the defensive side, Clayton Gaithers at safety, questionable in this game as well with a knee injury. Knee injuries with safeties and defensive backs, really with any player really that plays football, it's always questionable whether or not they'll actually make it out there. This is very much one of those games where it's like head versus heart is talking to me. Like my head, I think, tells me that the Colts have the edge in this game and my head tells me that I should be taking Indianapolis to get the win on the road. But then I've been talking about the Houston Texans all year that like this is one of my dark horse teams, especially in the AFC. They're like, man, these guys come playoff time, they could do some damage. Yeah, it hurts that they don't have Will Fuller. Yeah, it hurts that they don't have Demarius Thomas after they made that trade for him. If Kiki Kuti doesn't play, it's basically down to DeAndre Hopkins. You're going to have to call this one a gut play, I guess, if you must. I just, I love the way the Texans have played at home this season. I realize Indy comes into this game red hot, but I think the Texans at home, the way that defense plays at home, I think the Texans defense ultimately is what wins this football game. I'm going to take Houston in this one at home. I got Houston 24 to 21 to beat division rival Indianapolis. Finally, between these two teams, a home team will win a football game. I'm going to take Houston to go on to the divisional round. Against the spread, the Texans are favored by a single point at home. So let's take that. Let's go Houston 
minus one. Total in the game set at 47 and a half points. Obviously, if I'm 24-21, that's only 45 points. We're going to go under 47 and a half in Houston, Indianapolis. The late game on Saturday features the NFC four versus five matchup of the Seattle Seahawks, 10 and six, winners of two straight games in second place in the NFC West, traveling to the Dallas Cowboys, also 10 and six, also winners of two straight games, champions of the NFC East. They did have one head-to-head matchup this season all the way back in week three, Seattle picking up a convincing 24-13 victory at Dallas in that game. Seahawks have in fact won three straight head-to-head matchups, the last three dating back to November 2015. Again, both of these teams entering this game at 10 and 6. They've done it slightly different ways. Dallas only outscoring opponents by an average of a single point this season, 21 to 20. They've hit 24 or more points 7 out of the 16 games this season. Definitely not what you'd call an offensive powerhouse. But defensively, holy cow, 12 of the 16 games Dallas played this season, they allowed their opponents to score 23 points or fewer. Seattle outscored their opponents by a five-point margin on average this season, 27-22. to 22. They hit 24 points or more in 11 of their 16 games, and they definitely needed those points because they only allowed 23 or fewer in six of those 16 games. Moving this game to Dallas, the Cowboys at home dominant this season, 7-1 and one in their eight games, outscored opponents by an average of 25-19. to 19. They hit 24 points in five of those eight home games. So five of the seven times that they hit 24 points or more this season, they were in their home building, and they allowed 23 points or fewer, six out of their eight home games. Really great home season for Dallas. Seattle, as per usual, average team on the road. 4-4 four four this season. They did outscore their opponents by an average of a field goal, 25-22. to 22. They hit 24 points or more five of their eight games on the road, so they were a little better at doing that at home. And only allowed 23 or fewer points three of their eight games away from home this season. Otherwise known as, pretty good chance Dallas hits 24 in this game. Both of these teams are 3-1 and one in their last four games. Dallas actually being outscored, however, by two points on average, which just means their one loss, I think it was a shutout loss, it was like 24 to nothing or something like that. It was a bit of a blowout, so that definitely skews the numbers. The Cowboys, however, did hit 24 or more points three of those four games and allowed 23 points or fewer in three of those four games so don't worry about just the fact that it's 23 to 25 on average those numbers definitely skewed seahawks also three and one in their last four outscoring opponents by their season average of 27 to 22 but they only hit 24 points or more in half of those four games two out of the four and only allowed 23 points or fewer in one of them so the defense not exactly playing the greatest On the offensive side of the ball, Seattle has the edge in terms of total team offense this season. Seattle, the number 18 total offense in football. Dallas, number 22. But again, Dallas has been a different team since the acquisition of Amari Cooper. Obviously, that's most reflected in their pass offense, which is now actually ahead of Seattle in terms of the rankings. Dallas, the number 23 ranked pass offense in football. Seattle only ranked number 27, which seems surprising to me because... 
Russell Wilson had a pretty good fantasy season, but a lot of that's touchdowns and a lot of that's what he's able to do with his feet. Major edge the Seahawks have in this game on offense, obviously, is the run game. Seattle, the number one run offense in football this season. Look, Dallas sitting just barely inside the top 10. They're at number 10. This is a battle of two top 10 run games. That is where this game's going to be decided. Defensively, the Cowboys have the edge here across the board. Number seven total defense in football, Seattle only number 16. Number 13 pass defense in football are the Cowboys, Seattle only 17. So actually, the secondaries are fairly comparable. The run defense, Dallas has a top five run defense this season. They're really going to test that Seattle run offense, see what they're really made of come playoff time. Seattle, no slouches, number 13 run defense, but across the board, the Cowboys have the edge. Pair of significant injuries potentially, however, on the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Zach Martin obviously headlines that. One of the best guards in football, pro football focus, ranks him as the number two guard in the NFL. He's questionable with a knee injury. It's legitimately questionable whether he plays in this game or not. And a tackle, Tyron Smith, the number 11 ranked tackle in football by Pro Football Focus. He is also questionable with a neck injury. Seeing a lot of neck injuries in this episode. On the defensive side, you've also got Leighton Vander Ash who landed on the... Uh, on the injury report, he's probable to play in this game. I think he's got a contusion, something with his shin. I think it's just a cut. So it's. I would be very surprised if Van Der Esch did not play. One of the best young defensive players to start his career. Seattle could be missing a pair of noteworthy players on their end as well. On the offensive side, Rashad Penny. He's been out for a little while with a knee injury. He's legitimately questionable whether he plays in the game or not. If I had to make a choice right now, I'd have to say no. But that still leaves Chris Carson and Mike Davis. They should be all right. On the defensive side, Shaquille Griffin in the secondary, probable to play in this game, but he's dealing with an ankle injury, and ankle injuries for those fast secondary players, you never really know. High probability, or high likelihood, I should say, of re-aggravating that injury, so who knows? If he's limited, that is really going to hurt Seattle's pass defense. Personally, I think the Seahawks here are just victims of the fact that they're not going to get a home game. I think if this game was in Seattle, I'd probably be all over the Seahawks here because it's just so difficult to hit the road and have to win in that building. And with how Dallas played in their own building this season, it's very difficult to go in there and try to win a game, especially come playoff time. Do I feel like Dallas has the better football team top to bottom? Probably not. But look, it's a victory for Seattle to have even made the playoffs. Like, we all thought this was going to be a rebuilding year for Seattle. And then all of a sudden, 10-6 and six and they're in the playoffs. So, obviously, good show to get here. But I think just by virtue of the fact that they didn't get a home game, I don't think they go any further than this. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys in this game. We're going to go 26-23 to 23 in favor of the hometown Cowboys. On the line, Dallas favored by only a single point, so we're going to be on that one for sure. Dallas minus one. Total in the game set at 43.5 points. I've got it to 49, so we're going to take a solid over here of 43.5. All right, Sunday games, let's do this. The AFC 4 versus 5 matchup. You got the Los Angeles Chargers, 12 and 4, winners last week, second place in the AFC West, traveling to the 10 and 6 champions of the AFC North, Baltimore Ravens, who have also won three straight games. 
Again, noteworthy. Chargers on back-to-back road games here. Winning their game last week. Difficult to do twice in a row. One head-to-head matchup, and actually recent head-to-head matchup between these two teams, just back in Week 16, Ravens winning that game in Los Angeles, 22 to 10. You got to imagine that's a benefit to both teams because you saw each other just two weeks ago. Ravens have also won three of the last four head-to-head matchups with the Chargers, dating back to November of 2012. As we mentioned, 10-6 and six are the Baltimore Ravens. They outscored their opponents this season by an average of 24-18. to 18. That defense was humming all season long. Offensively, they hit 24 points or more in half of their games. Eight out of the 16 games, they eclipsed 24 points. On defense, they allowed 23 points or fewer in 11 of their 16 games. Pretty reliable that they can keep a team under that watershed mark. Chargers 12 and 4 outscored opponents by an average of 27 to 21 this season. Offensively, they were more reliable, more efficient than were the Baltimore Ravens. They scored 24 points or more in 11 of their 16 games, and in fact, they matched the Ravens defensively in terms of games allowing 23 points or fewer. They both had 11. Ravens doing what the Ravens do on their home field this season, 6-2 and two at home, outscoring opponents by 10 full points, 27-17. to 17. Offensively, they scored 24 points or more in 5 of their 8 home games, definitely more reliable to put up 24 or more at home than they were on the road. And defensively, 6 of the 8 games, they kept opponents to 23 points or fewer. Then you look at the Chargers. The Chargers were 7-1 and one on the road this year. That's insane. They were only 5-3 and three at home. On the road, they played incredibly well. Outscored opponents by an average score of 28-20, to 20, so a fully converted touchdown. Scored 24 points or more in 5 of their 8 games on the road, same as Baltimore did at home. Defensively, 5 of the 8 games they played on the road, they kept opponents to 23 points or fewer. Both of these teams come into this game 3-1 and one in their last four games. Baltimore outscoring their opponents by five points on average, 23-18. Chargers only by two points, 22-20. Both teams able to put up 24 points or more in two of their last four games. However, the Chargers' slight edge on the defensive side, believe it or not, 23 or fewer points allowed in three of their last four games for the Chargers, only two of the last four games for Baltimore. On the offensive side, the Ravens with the slight edge in total offense this season, the number nine total offense in the NFL, Chargers no slouches, they're at number 11. Much of the Chargers offense came through the air this season as the Chargers have the number 10 pass offense in football behind what feels like an ageless Phillip Rivers. Baltimore, only the number 22 pass offense, obviously with Flacco's struggles and then Lamar Jackson coming in, learning to play at the NFL level. That number's probably no surprise. But as big as the edge is for the Chargers through the air, the edge goes to Baltimore on the ground. Ravens, the number two run offense in football this season. You had Alex Collins. He's now gone. Now you have Gus Edwards and, of course, Lamar Jackson's abilities with his feet as well. Chargers round middle of the pack in the NFL, number 15 in terms of the run offense. 
Defensively, it's a Ravens edge across the board. However, this is essentially a battle of two top 10 defenses. Total defense, you got Baltimore, the number one total defense in football this season. Chargers inside the top 10 at number nine. Baltimore, the number five pass defense in football this season. They will be put to the test for sure by Phillip Rivers in that pass offense. But the Chargers were at number nine. And the run defense, Baltimore, the number four run defense in football, Chargers, number nine. So look, this is going to be an excellent game across the board, but I can't wait to watch these two defenses ball out. One of the big advantages here for the Ravens, no significant recent injuries. Now, obviously you had Alex Collins go down, but he went down weeks ago. Recently, nothing significant for the Ravens, so they basically come into this game at as close to full strength as they can possibly be. Couple of pieces of good news here on the injury front for the Chargers. Melvin Gordon, who has been out the last few weeks dealing with an ankle injury, is probable to return in this game. That's a huge boost to their run game. And Hunter Henry, who tore his ACL in the preseason, actually I think a little bit before the preseason maybe even, looks like he's probable to be activated Back to football duties, going back to practice this week, allegedly. He may even play in this game, and what a big boost that would be for the Chargers to get back a weapon like Hunter Henry. Defensively, unfortunately, the Chargers did lose linebacker Jatavis Brown to injured reserve. I think, don't think he's been moved to injured reserve yet, but his season is over with an ankle injury. This game is going to be so much fun. This is the game I'm looking forward to the most this week. I can't wait to be able to watch this game. I think I might have to work, but I'm going to have to, I might have to record this game or something because I can't wait to watch as much of this football game as I possibly can. I like the Ravens here just based on the fact that they're at home. Again, the Chargers were 7-1 and one on the road this season, so it's really hard to say that. But I just feel like, again, maybe it's, it's sort of syndrome like I have with the Texans, but Baltimore was another dark horse team of mine in the AFC from the start of the season. I thought, you know what, if they can just, if they can just get in, if they can get a home playoff game... I think Baltimore can do some damage. Nobody wants to go to Baltimore and have to play Baltimore in the playoffs. Maybe the Chargers proved me wrong. They very well could. But I'm going to take Baltimore in this one because I feel like that's the situation that Baltimore would best succeed. Sort of like with Seattle. If Seattle would have gotten a home playoff game, I'd have been all over Seattle in that game against Dallas. They didn't, so I can't take them. Baltimore does, so I'm going to take them. Let's go 23-16 to 16 here in favor of the Ravens. Another game where I think the defense shines and the defense wins the football game. Baltimore goes on to the divisional round. Against the spread, Ravens are favored by 2.5 points at home. That's a pretty small price to pay. We like them to win. So let's go Baltimore minus the 2.5. Total in the game set at 41.5 points. 23 plus 16 is only 39, so we are going to stick under 41.5 points. And the last game we're going to look at, the NFC 3 versus 6 matchup. The Philadelphia Eagles, 9-7. and seven. They won their last three games behind Big Dick Nick Foles to get into the playoffs. Number 2 seed from the NFC East. They travel to Chicago to take on the 12-4 and four Bears. Mitch Trubisky, Khalil Mack, and that punishing defense. They've won four straight games. They won the NFC North, and the Eagles are on back-to-back -back road games.
These two teams did not play each other this season. However, the Eagles have won the last three straight head-to-head matchups dating back to December of 2013. Bears 12 and 4 on the season like I mentioned outscoring opponents by a fully converted touchdown 26 to 18 on average the Bears scored 24 points or more in 11 of their 16 games this season they allowed 23 or fewer in 12 of their 16 games this season the Bears have been dominant Eagles at 9 and 7 only outscoring opponents by the average of a single point 23 to 22. Eagles scored 24 points or more in just 7 of their 16 games this year, so a little under 50%, but they only allowed 23 points or fewer in 10 of their 16 games. Make no mistake about it, this defense is not the same as it was, it's not as good as it was. Injuries obviously prevented that, but this is still a defense that can play football. Let's move the game to Chicago Bears, a dominant 7-1 and record on their home field this season. Offense gets a little bit better. Defense stays just as powerful. 28-18 average score for Chicago in their own building this season. They scored 24 points or more in 7 of their 8 home games and allowed 23 points or fewer in 7 of their 8 home games. Philly on the road, they did their job. They were 4-4 and on the road. Their scoring was exactly even, 23 points per game, 23 points allowed per game. They scored 24 or more in half of their road games this season, 4 of 8. They allowed 23 points or fewer in half of their road games this season, 4 of 8. So it's kind of, it's a bit of a coin flip with Philly. You're either going to get a really good performance or you're going to get below league average performance and that's what makes a game like this so um, unsteady if you're a fan of either of these teams. Chicago as we mentioned winners of their last four straight games only outscoring opponents by an average score of 19 to 11 so the offense has definitely taken a downtick but look at that defense they've only allowed 11 points per game over their last four games. They've scored 24 points or more in two of those four games, but they have not allowed a team in that stretch to score more than 23 points. Four for four in their last four games. That defense has hit their apex. Eagles obviously no slouches. They had to win three straight games to get in. They're 3-1 and one in their last four games, outscoring opponents 27-21 to 21 on average. They've scored 24 points or more in three of those last four games, the offense playing fairly well. The defense doing their job, 23 points or fewer in two of those four games. Offensively, got to give the slight edge here to the Eagles. In terms of total offense, Philly the number 14 total offense in football. Chicago only number 21. Obviously, Chicago's been winning games this season, mostly with their defense. In terms of the pass offense, Philly the number 7 pass offense in football this season. Wentz having a pretty decent season before he went down. Chicago only the number 21 pass offense in football. Mitch Trubisky is a fine player, but not exactly what you would call elite at this point in his career. Chicago, however, dominating on the offensive side with the run game. Chicago, the number 11 run offense in football. Philly, number 28. 
Defensively, obviously, it's a clean sweep for the Chicago Bears. Chicago, the number three total defense in football this season. Philly, well below league average at number 23. A lot of that is their secondary that has given up a ton of yardage on the season. Chicago, the number seven pass defense in football this season, so comfortably inside the top 10. Philly, number 30. And even when you look at the strength of the Philadelphia Eagles, which is their run defense, which is at number seven in the NFL, Chicago, number one. The injury situation, however, doing the Bears no favors in terms of turning around the perception that their pass offense is not that great. A trio of wide receiver injuries and all three of them carry the questionable tag heading into this football game. Allen Robinson's questionable with a rib injury, Taylor Gabriel with a shoulder injury, and Anthony Miller, which is a big one, also with a shoulder injury. Defensively, the Bears may also be without safety Eddie Jackson, who's questionable with an injury to his ankle. And when you look over on Philly's sideline, obviously the injury situation is is, is very apparent. Carson Wentz likely out for the season with that missed, again, misdiagnosed back fracture, which just makes me cringe every time I say it. He's likely done for the year, although they haven't put him on IR just yet. And then Nick Foles, he's kind of been getting beaten up the last couple of games. He's dealing with a rib injury. I'm sure he's going to play because I think behind him, it's what Nate Sudfeld. So, I mean, if, if that's who they're going to roll out a quarterback, then roll out the red carpet for Chicago to go to the next round. But if Foles is at all limited in this game, I think the only way the Eagles win this game is if Foles takes the team on his back. If he doesn't do that, I don't think they win this game. And if he's limited in any way, I just don't see them beating the Bears defense. That's the way I got to go with this one. We're going to take Chicago at home, taking all four favorites this week. Chicago wins this game comfortably, 23-13 to 13 in favor of the Bears on their home field. On the line, the Bears are five and a half point favorites at home. Obviously, I'm taking them to win by 10, so we're going to take Chicago minus the five and a half points. Total in the game set at 41. I've only got it getting to 36. So we're going to stick under 41 points in Chicago, Philadelphia. All right, folks, the picks are in wildcard weekend of 2019. Let's go over the picks here with you one more time. On Saturday, AFC 3 versus 6, Indianapolis at Houston. I'm taking the Texans to win this game 24 to 21. Going to take Houston minus one against the spread in a game that stays under 47.5 points. In the NFC four versus five matchup, you get Seattle traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. I got the Cowboys winning this game 26 to 23. Dallas minus one, favored by a single point against the spread. We're going to take that in a game that goes over 43.5 points. On Sunday, we've got the LA Chargers traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. I like the Ravens in that one by a full touchdown, 23-16. to We're going to take Baltimore minus 2.5 against the spread in a game that stays under 41.5 points. And in the weekly finale, NFC 3 versus 6, Philadelphia at Chicago. I like the Bears by 10 points, 23-13. to We're going to take Chicago minus the 5.5 points in a game that stays under 41. There you go, folks. Those are your wildcard weekend picks. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. 
So the comment of the week from the week 17 episode is going to go to my good friend, the blind Canadian cat, a fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator. Make sure you check out his channel. His comment as a Baltimore Ravens fan, I believe, is dear God, it's me, the cat. I've sat through a lot in my time, two double-digit leads blown in the same game, the injury plague, the immaculate extension, and the 4th and 12 debacle. I ask for very little, and that all it be is a simple dub. Well, I had to really slow that one down. I've suffered enough. I'll take a blowout on the wild card. I just want in. That's all. Well, you know what? The Ravens got in. They're there. They're in that game. And I think they're going to go further than just the wild card. Yours is the comment of the week. The blind Canadian cat from the week 17 episode. All right, folks, you boys got to go get ready for work. That's it for me. Justin Bridgewater's finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend. It's one of the best weekends of football of the entire season. Watch as much football as you possibly can. I know I certainly will be. Enjoy the games. We will see you again next week for the divisional round. We're getting in deep.